Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And what a week for the Colorado Rockies it was. They go 5-1, and one, they swept the Brewers, they took a series from the Mets. The only game that they lost was by a score of one to nothing, and a game where they had actually some pretty bad luck in order to end up losing that one. And all of a sudden, your Colorado Rockies look like a competent baseball team. They're playing well in several aspects of the game. It's been several games since they committed an error. The starting pitching looks good. The bullpen has been good. And all of a sudden, they're hitting. And so I've got to do ups and downs. And oddly enough, had to end up stretching for some downs. Who would have thought about that a week ago? But just real quickly before we get into that, to keep you updated on what's going on across baseball, just so you know, uh, the Kansas City Royals and Oakland A's remain worse uh, than the Colorado Rockies. In fact, they are still in the single digits in the win column with the Kansas City Royals at 9-26 and and the Oakland A's at 8-27. and Other teams kind of in that neighborhood include the Washington Nationals at 14-20, and the San Francisco Giants at 15-18, and and of course, those struggling St. Louis Cardinals who are somehow worse than than the Rockies at 11 and 24 and are doing all kinds of weird things with Wilson Contreras. And it looks like they're having a a bit of a circus over there in St. Louis. As I said, last time I did this standing update, I, I still expect them to get their stuff together, but You know, it happens when it happens, right? There's a reason we don't play these games on on paper. And so uh, here we are with the Rockies all of a sudden at 14 and 21, looking a bit better. What's the good news and what's the bad news out of all of this? Well, why don't I start with some good stuff? And for me, the biggest ups right now have got to be Tovar and Doyle. Ezekiel Tovar and Brenton Doyle, as we've talked about a lot, this season really does have to be about the young players, the guys who are going to be here in the future, the guys who can maybe help turn this thing around. And these guys playing well are, is a big part of the reason why the Rockies have have won some games here. Tovar going on a nice little stretch for the last 13 games. He had a seven game hit streak in there. It did get snapped, but then he came back the next day with a couple of hits. He's been driving in runs. Got a couple of extra base hits in this stretch. He's got his first two home runs of the season. And so Really, I think what we're seeing now is that those those first couple of weeks, remember he was the second youngest player in baseball. I know everyone loves a a Jordan Walker, a Ronald Acuna situation, but got to allow for the possibility that some guys are going to have to ease into it a little bit more than that. And and if it ends up being just a slow couple of weeks start and then Tovar really can put together a a rookie of the year style campaign from here on out, it's going to look like a blip on the radar in hindsight. Uh, but, you know, obviously he's, he's got a long way to go to, to prove that. But right now it looks like, OK, this was the guy we were hoping to see play some exciting baseball. He's been tremendous defensively, but he's been much, much better at the plate over the last, like I said, 13 games uh, where he's hitting about 340. And so that's been nice to see. And with the power, too. It's not just that he's been hitting the ball. It's that he's been hitting it with authority, hitting the ball out of the ballpark a couple of times. Uh, going deep in New York is is tough to do. So that's always interesting, right? He's shown that he's got that kind of pop. And so here we go. Maybe off to the races with Tovar. And the same thing with Doyle, who's really just been an incredible breath of fresh air since he came up. And in general, again, he also got his first home run this week in the Sunday afternoon game that ended up being the rubber match winner for uh, the Rockies. 
scored 13 runs in that game. He had three hits. Uh, he's stealing bases. He's hitting the ball into the gap. He's laying down bunts. He's, again, playing tremendous defense. Probably the thing I'm most excited about, honestly, when it comes to his profile and how much of a difference maker I think that's going to be at Coors Field in general. And, yeah, these were the kinds of things, win or loss, that I was expecting to be focusing on this season. Obviously, when the Rockies sent down a Lowry Montero, that you know, really put a wrench in that to some degree and remains pretty frustrating. And in fact, I'll, I'll let that take us into our first down here, which is that the roster management remains a puzzle. And there were some things inside of that, not just in terms of, again, sending down guys like Montero, not having up guys like Jones. And I've gone over all of that and, and why I think there's an argument to be made if the Rockies do intend to trade off the veterans. And I'll get back to that in just a minute. But even things like pinch hitting for Tovar a couple of times in the last week uh, with Harold Castro. Now, to his credit, Castro came through big with basically the, the game swinging hit in one of those uh, contests against the Brewers. So he did come through. And, and if this was a more competitive season, nobody would be you know, criticizing Bud Black for doing that. But it is frustrating. It's Since it's May, it's like, okay... Okay, I understand it. And he's going to manage until they're way out of it or he's given, you know, <laughs> orders from on high to do otherwise. But Black's going to manage to try to win every single game. And he's going to manage it, you know, and doing that makes sense in that context. It's just frustrating when you realize, like, Tovar's got to be a big part of your future. You want him. If he's going to fail in those situations, you want him failing now in May of 2023 when you're already basically 10 games under 500. Now, obviously, they've gotten a little bit back into it here. But, right, the, those are the types of things where you want him to be able to learn from those situations. And then if he comes through to gain confidence from those types of situations. And so it's been frustrating to see that, uh, you know, obviously, I think that's temporary. I hope it's temporary. I I think that Tovar's performance, you know, in the meantime, will maybe make Buddy go, okay, okay. I, I, I just got to leave him in there. I got to trust no matter what. Don't always play these situations here. You know, I thought it was interesting. He keeps doing it with um, Elias Diaz and Brian Servan as well. And that, that's another one where it's like, I don't know that Servan has it in him to be a superstar catcher of the future, but he certainly... Younger, less tested, less experienced. And, you know, if it's his day to play that day and he's got a big clutch spot coming up, I would just assume let him get that opportunity. But again, I'm managing for the future, right? If I'm managing this team, I'm, I'm doing it to learn things about the future. And right now, Bud Black is still managing to win the baseball game more often than not. And, and it's hard to fault him for doing that. Uh, but it is frustrating in those specific moments. And you're like, you're going to go with, with Harold Castro instead of Ezekiel Tovar here when you really want to be building around this guy. But maybe in the long run, it'll work out for him anyway. Uh, it's not one of those things where I think, you know, it's going to destroy Tovar's confidence or something. Like he's going back to the dugout going, oh man, the manager doesn't want me in the big spot. He's 21 years old. He's going to get his opportunities to hit in big spots and he's going to get them this season. But still, I'd prefer that they'd not uh, do that. Back over to the ups. 
How about Gomber and Senzatella? The return of Antonio Senzatella on Friday night, the one game this week that the Rockies lost, but like I said, it was just one nothing. Goes five innings. Uh, very Senzatella-like performance. You know, nothing dominant about it. Doesn't have the big strikeout numbers. Only walked one guy because he tends not to walk guys very often and kept the runs off the board. You know, his first game back, so it doesn't go super deep, the five innings, but you'll take that. That is, uh, and, and like with Gomber as well, I think I erroneously said before he had two consecutive quality starts. The, the one in Cleveland was only five innings. A quality start minus, I don't know, I feel like there should be pluses and minuses to that stat. The idea is, right, they didn't lose the game. That that you go out and you give five or six innings and three runs or less out of the bottom of the rotation, guys, that's kind of the, the best that you can hope for right now. And Gombert's given you that three times in a row. It's going to be really interesting, I think, if Gombert can turn this season around and end up having a decent one. It changes the math a little bit on what the Rockies need to do in the future, uh, especially if Montero can come back. It'll be a little bit of an interesting, ongoing, unfortunate conversation that we apparently have to keep having about the trade. But beyond all of that, it's just been nice to see a guy who was absolutely struggling in, in every element of the game, the physical, the mental, uh, the approach, all of it was off for him in the first couple of games of the season. Now he's got three starts in a row where he's pitched pretty to very well, uh, and, and that's something that he can build on. If he can do three or four more of these, then you really start feeling a lot better, not just about this year's rotation, because again, that only matters so much, but remember, Gomber's one of those in-between guys who could be a big part of your future, but could also be no part of your future, and it's much better for the, the franchise, obviously, if he can be a good part. And, uh, you know, a 159 ERA over his last three games combined. He's given up three combined runs in that time. Good stuff from Austin Gomber. Back over to the downside. And I, I feel like I have to do this because I made the silver lining when they were really, really playing poorly to talk about, you know, will this convince them to do the right thing and start trading off all of these veterans and turn the page and turn the team over to the young players, right? So on the flip side of that, there's some fair concern and I've always rejected this analysis in the past that like you should be mad or sad or upset that your team is winning baseball games because it's going to say cost them a better draft position or right it's going to convince the Rockies that they're better than they are and 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 those kinds of things like I've never really been into that but I do think it's since I put the analysis on the other side at least fair to bring up that you know, there is a, a worst case scenario here where the Rockies play just well enough to convince themselves that they should hang on to some of these veterans and that they're maybe, you know, closer with this particular group and, and don't need to hand it over to the young guys. Um, you know, and, and so I hope that that's not the lesson that's being learned here, it, you know, that the Rockies should be playing for trying to compete this season and you know maybe i'll end up eating my words and be totally wrong about this and we'll all be laughing at the end of the season because something happened and they flipped a switch and they actually ended up being decent but uh until that really looks like it's a probable case you know until the starting pitching in particular shows me that that can happen uh, i think you do have to be careful about seeing these kinds of nine or 10 game stretches where the team looks a lot better and going, okay, well, that's who they really are. So we don't need to make these foundational sort of fundamental changes, right? Um, all of that said, 
I don't think it's going to come down to that anyway. I, I think the only guys for whom that might make a difference would be Crone and Bard. Everybody else who I think is on the table for getting traded, they're all guys on short-term contracts at the end of their contracts who are veterans, right? Who haven't been with the team for very long. So I'll actually finish on, on the downs here and talk about, you know, we still haven't seen a ton from Profar and Moustakis. Uh, I do think Moustakis' at-bats have been pretty good. But, you know, you've seen a bit here from Harold Castro, like I mentioned. Randall Gritchick has looked really nice in his return. And I do still think the plan will be to trade those guys. And it should be to trade those guys. And you do need them playing well to maximize what you're going to get in return. And them playing well is going to lead to some wins. That's, you know, that's how sports works. If your guys play well, sometimes you win. And and so that's kind of what's going on here, right? So you got to hope that those veterans do play well. And it will ultimately lead to some Rockies wins. But that they still make the correct decision to move on from them when the time comes. And turn over to these guys who continue to rake down there in AAA. And so, yeah, that, that I would say it's, you know, more of a, a warning of a down than anything. But that would be, I think, my primary concern, especially if... It continues through the, the next couple of weeks here. The Rockies maybe pull back to being around 500, right? I, I, I think that there's a lot of ways that could be fine and could even be really, really good as long as they still don't overcommit to guys who are not going to be around next year, right? That's That part is really, really important. As long as they don't do that, they're okay. And then my final up for you on this one is is catcher Elias Diaz out there with a 127 WRC plus batting over 330, uh, only slugging 40, uh, 495. So he hasn't been, you know, absolutely pummeling the ball, but he's been coming through in big situations. It just feels like he's the guy that you want at the plate right now when there's runners on base, anything like that, consistent at bat to at bat. I can't remember the last time he just was flailing around up there. Uh, he really looks locked in and confident. And the interesting thing about this will be, and obviously it, it's too early to be making you know declarations and even to be comparing because these numbers can change so dramatically in a week or two, but it's worth wondering early enough whether or not the Rockies might have their first ever all-star catcher. Uh, there are a number of things that would come together to make that happen, one of which would be that he might be the Rockies' just best hitter at the time. Uh, you know, watch for Chris Bryant. Uh, but I expect the team's only going to get one All-Star, right, because they're probably going to continue to be pretty bad, and that's how it goes. Uh, and, and in general, the Rockies tend to, you know, even if they're a little bit better, uh, they don't often get the, the fan vote and the, the national, you know, look in. So there's all that working against them. So it could be that the Rockies only get one all-star and it just kind of defaults to whoever's got the best offensive numbers at the time, which if that happened right now, it would be Elias Diaz. Uh, and, and that would be very, very interesting, right? Because the Rockies have never had an all-star catcher and Diaz has had such a, a kind of up and down career to this point and he's had his moments. Uh, but certainly I wouldn't have thought, yeah, 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 he's going to be, you know, the Rockies' first ever all-star. In fact, I think I wrote, uh, something this offseason, skipping right over these guys and, and talking about Drew Romo and how how he might be the guy that finally uh, breaks that, I don't know if it's curse, <laughs> them just not having great catchers over the years. And there have been times they've had some decent ones. Uh, you know, Chris Iannetta, Jorvit Torrealba, back in the day there were some good seasons out of Joe Girardi, uh, Jeff Reed, for those of you 
'90s Rockies fans, but you know this it would just be absolutely fascinating to me. But you've got to tip your cap to Elias Diaz for doing this at this time in his career. Uh, you know, it's just very easy to overlook him, including myself. Like I said, I was focusing on Drew Romo, who's like a year and a half, two years away, and you know, saying. This Diaz and Servant thing, we'll see how long it goes, but it'll probably flame out. But then the future is going to be this guy. And it, it, Diaz, right now, one of the best things on the team, one of the things that is uh, allowing them to go on this little bit of a run here. Uh, and I've heard some people asking the question, you know, if he's, if he's super hot, is he the type of guy that maybe the Rockies would trade at the deadline? Again, with knowing that, the, that Romo is out there, right? And all of that has to be up in the air. All of that has to be on the table because this is a team that needs to be planning for the future. Even if they're winning games now, and like I said, I, I made my case of why I don't particularly like the managing to win right now in every single instance, especially when it comes to Ezekiel Tovar, but I at least understand it. As long as it's backed up ultimately by a recognition that the best reason to have these guys and the best reason to keep playing these guys. And when I say these guys, I mean, Profar, Moustakis, Harold Castro, uh, Randall Gritchick, uh, to some degree, CJ Krohn, Daniel Bard. Obviously, Charlie Blackman is in a category of his own. But anyone who's not signed long term and is after their 30th birthday should essentially be on the trading block. Right. And if you can get something for these guys, you got to do it. But as I've said, the only way you're going to be able to get something for them is if they're playing well. And right now, a lot of them are. And so that actually is good news. But we'll see what happens. In the meantime, it was just nice to watch some quality baseball. As I've said before, don't, you know, we, we do the overanalyzing thing. We, we dive into all of this stuff. And I think sometimes we forget just how nice it is to watch a game where there isn't a bunch of errors and they don't lose 14 to 3. You know, the one to nothing loss, if anything, was... Uh, as much as you you, you know you, you prefer the games where they win, I imagine if you're listening to this, even that was so much better to see uh, just from a competitive standpoint, right? Where you can sit down, watch the ball game. All these games are two and a half hours now, so they're flying by, right? And, and not feel like you're just throwing your head into your hands every other inning, you know, in a bad defensive play or because the pitcher gave up, you know, walk the bases loaded and then wild pitch and then a home run or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just just completely non-competitive stuff. And we've seen that way too much this year, really over the last three years. So this stretch of baseball has been quite nice. So that said, we'll see what happens as they're off to Pittsburgh to face the Red Hot Pirates. Who knew that was going to be a thing? Uh, Rockies might be out for a little bit of revenge after obviously the Pirates got after them there at Coors Field. Uh, we'll see what they can do and if they can continue to ride their momentum a little bit. You know, the, the starting pitching continues to be just a massive puzzle to me. If all of a sudden Sensatella, Gomber, Feltner, and Freeland are going to be okay, that changes the trajectory of the team. But it's also entirely possible that they, they're just not going to be able to hold up that much and they still end up falling back and losing 100 games. But for right now, you just got to... Watch them with a bit of, I mean, it's, that, that's the best part of early season baseball. Like we all prognosticate. We all think we know so much. We all thought we knew so much about the Pittsburgh Pirates coming into this year, didn't we? The Baltimore Orioles going into last year. 
Um, nobody had the St. Louis Cardinals at the record they are right now, and nobody had the Tampa Bay Rays basically undefeated at this point in the season, right? Uh, they, they don't play the ball games on paper. They pay them, play them on baseball diamonds. And so uh, let's go watch some more as they'll be, like I said, in Pittsburgh over the next couple of days, and uh, we'll continue to keep our eyes on all of this stuff. I know that all of you will continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.